0: Jason, would you like some pussy? Uh, no, I'm full up, thanks. 48 minutes
1: of dogs barking. 48 minutes of dogs barking. 48 minutes of dogs barking. 48 minutes of dogs barking. Brow! <coughs> <coughs> 48 minutes of dogs. Barking, growl, growl, Parking,
0: 48 minutes I'm feeling pretty good about that. Feeling positive, Brian. Right. I'm feeling positive. Are you, are you feeling, you feeling... COVID-19 positive, Brian. Uh yeah, that's right. Just been, this has been a great great week for me. <laughs> uh folks, don't get your booster shot when you probably have covid. <laughs> <laughs> is uh <laughs> is right up there as like don't put your hand on a hot stove. Yeah. Don't drive in the standing water while it's raining. Like there's just, there's just solid advice. Um don't stick your dick in crazy. Uh, unless you don't live there if you're traveling if she's got a doctor who tattoo it's okay if it don't don't shit where you eat there's a lot of important. rules.
1: I'm 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 feeling really left out of this conversation. I'm you know I've been married. I'm uh, doing the math here. Sixteen years. So I'm, I'm a little... sixteen
0: years. So you just really don't know the, the ways of of the uh, the bachelor in no. the year 2022.
1: No, I've I mean I there were a few of those rules established when I was a younger guy. Like we had heard the you know don't don't shit where you eat. Don't you know, stick your dick and crazy. Those those generally haven't changed. What was the one about the Doctor Who tattoo? <laughs> oh yeah, I am. Um, Can you speak I'm, from had, experience on that? Is that something that you have? Uh, I've I've lived a life. Uh, I, I understand like, that, I, Yes. Uh,
0: so one time I was in Memphis, mm-hmm. and this girl started chatting me up at this uh, dive bar, and um, the f- folks I was with were like, "Hey, we're." go into another bar, like, hey, and knows you guys have been talking. And she goes, oh, I'll drop him off later. And I'm just like, oh. oh okay. really? Yeah, like, uh, real smart girl, interested in a lot of the same art and stuff like that. But uh, I was, we were both drunk. Because the thing is, in Memphis, you can sometimes just bring your own booze into a bar. Oh, boy. Um, I've, I've heard stories about this in different ways, but like, uh, like some of her friends that she was like shooting pool with like brought in like a uh a thing of Franzi a boxed wine and I might oh. have been like
1: topping off on that. Um First of all, always the mark of a quality person when we're talking boxed wine, you know right away. She I mean like I'm not this
0: was a totally cool chicken uh, like we're we still follow each other on Instagram. Still looks like she's a totally cool chick. Um but uh we get back to her place And um, God, this is what a story This is to start a podcast with But I noticed she has A a Dragon Ball tattooed on her Oh boy And I go, oh uh, So do you have all of them? And she's like, yeah (laughs) And if you find all of them You can
1: No, no I kid you
0: not She says if you find all of them You can make a wish and I'm like, oh, okay. So I found all of them. Oh, my. And she was like, uh, so what's your wish? And me being a drunk asshole. I go, uh, 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 I,
1: I, I want a house full of dogs. <laughs> Brian, no. And, and I did not get kicked out. You didn't get kicked out, but you didn't get your wish either.
0: I don't know if I want a house full of dogs. I was just kind of like, I
1: mean, I didn't want to be like, uh, a pussy. Like, no. Right. I think like, that's what the wish is intended to be. I think that's what the answer is supposed to be when you're given that, that quest. Yeah. So that was, gosh, that was like 10
0: years ago. I, uh, I am not such a wild man now, but like, yeah, you, uh, I don't know, man. Being married seems like it's, uh, pretty decent, so I'm... you a good you're gig. Probably, I think you're probably winning on this equation.
1: Overall, yeah. I mean, the, the, the fact that, you know, like, like we said at the top of the show, we both have COVID, uh, but I'm, you know, I'm isolating in the garage that I helped my wife build. Originally, it was supposed to be just for her artwork, and I kind of co-opted it, and now it's um, mostly my space, and I feel kind of terrible about it, <laughs> but not all that bad, because uh, I kind of have a, a, like a place to go. Right. Um, and so do work and stuff. Yeah, actually I, I work out here. I game out here. You know, we do movie nights out here every Friday. Yeah. I No, I mean, I mean, being married, just seems like it's, it's
0: generally like better than like being single and kind of wondering where, uh, You know, uh, your next meal is going to come from either emotionally or otherwise.
1: Metaphorically speaking, yeah. So that's a nice segue too, because one of the first things I would talk about—it's the stupidest thing I've seen—but I can't stop reading them. You know the guy from Maroon Five, you know that band. Yeah. All right. Well, Adam Adam Levine apparently, as a married man, has been sexting. Very poorly. Very poorly. Yes. Uh, I may need to see the booty.
0: <laughs> you know, here's the
1: thing. You who know says what? That? Like,
0: who uh, probably, pr- probably the thing is, is like, it's it's a guy who is probably in some way, despite this is a man that's cheating on his wife, too nice. If that makes you know, like the guy like he doesn't like like he he's cheating on his wife, but he doesn't he doesn't know how he doesn't. No one ever showed him on the cheat on a woman. <laughs> <laughs> he, did, he did have a he didn't have a male figure in his life. This is like so. This right. is how you're unfaithful, and this is how you slide into the DMs or. Um this is you know this is why you buy a woman a drink or something like that I don't know like I'm I'm trying to imagine just like a young Adam Levine just never just like loan the baseball like he's got the 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 glove no. the mitts oh, he's at no. the baseball and he's yeah. like there's no one there's there's no poor Adam Levine's got no father figure that that teach him how to be a male manipulator
1: um, there's a great piece that oh God God forgive me BuzzFeed. <coughs> News put out, um, and they're comparing Adam Levine's sexts to some other ones that celebrities, one of whom is now King of England. Um, I, I guess in the eighty nine, the the Charles and Camilla thing that wasn't really sexting, but it was a secretly recorded conversation not intended for a public audience. So it's roughly on par, yeah, with the Adam Levine sexts. In that way, um, if you remember, King Charles wished to be Camilla Parker Bowles's tampon. <laughs> God, they're just such filthy people. The British. Just, just um, and then some, they also compared it unfavorably, of course, to the Jeff Bezos sexts from a couple years back. The one that's always stuck out to me is I love you, comma, alive girl. As though he's been (laughs) texting, you know, with the undead. I don't know, you know, just very strange. I remember seeing that and people kind of
0: rightfully making fun of it and just also thinking, like, that sounds like. It sounds like a weird sense of humor thing that like people get into when they've been into a relationship. Not not saying that Jeff Bezos isn't some sort of like
1: smooth crotch alien man that's different <laughs> than everyone else and human woman I require your sexualness. Yeah, I don't <laughs> some sort What of- is this clown pussy? <laughs> I don't even know what to... a
0: single A single crown of clussy would absolutely destroy Jeff Bezos' smooth
1: area. Oh, yeah. So, uh, the the other one that I thought of, I don't think BuzzFeed made this particular connection, but uh, Elizabeth Holmes of Theranos had a particularly cringy sext with uh, Sonny Balwani, if you remember these ones. She's writing poetry. She's writing... Poetry. You are the breeze in the desert to me. My water and ocean meant to be only together. Tiger. And Sonny responds with, okay. (laughs) I forgot about that. I forgot. That's so good. I mean, it's so good. Just uh, the, the, the cringe alone was just like, oh my God, no. It's painful. It's painful because she's really pouring herself out there. In whatever cliche way, you know, some some Rumi Kapoor shit, and then he responds with, "Okay." <laughs> that's got to be that's a blow cold. to
0: the ego. Yeah, that's cold, baby. Oof. Mm. yeah, that's kind of amazing. Just why people just keep posting their fucking L's on this shit. It's truly, truly baffling to me. Like, I, it's cringy. Like, I'm like, if I've ever been like in a situation like texting with someone. And it gets to that kind of subject matter I'm really shy about it, mm-hmm. you know like i'm just the 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 repressed Southern Baptist idiot boy really comes out in those situations, and um I don't even know how to take a dick pic jason like i'm I'm an internationally published photographer. <laughs> but no, I can't hog, take shots. A dick. no hog, hog shots the hog shots are terrible
1: yeah. um i think one time
0: i He's sent the fran one...
1: Leibowitz of hog pictures that's what you want on your i sent one <laughs> to a chick one time oh no oh no you didn't
0: oh boy i did and she's like why is there a penny in the shot <laughs> it's
1: for scale yes <laughs> But it's one of those trick pennies where it's like huge. So like,
0: yeah, it's just like, and it's using a forced perspective to kind yeah. of just, uh, you know, get,
1: <laughs> kind, of, kind of get a couple of inches out of the situation. But yeah. Oh. Um, uh, so I, I, uh, before we go further about our history of dick pics, I think we forgot to mention, hi, it's 48 Minutes of Dogs Barking. My name is Jason. This is Brian. Uh, we're talking about the fact that we got COVID and how Elizabeth Holmes is a good sexter, but Jeff Bezos is terrible, and so is Adam Levine. And dick pics came up, and I, I do. <laughs> oh, we need to do an ID. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Speaking of dicks, let's talk about us for a second. I don't think I've ever taken one. I cannot say that that ever came up, but a lot of that has to do with, like I said, I've been, you know, I was dating I was dating for years before that. Cell phone pictures were just a terrible quality when I was a single guy. Imagine trying to send like a dick pic on like a razor phone. Oh, yeah. Like, you fucking used up my minutes for this shit? Well, and then it looks like just your thumb. You really can't tell what the hell you're looking at anyway. I think what I've learned, Mm -hmm.
0: not through myself or anything, but just like, (laughs) I think the way you're supposed to take a dick pic is you've got like to include your torso and maybe it's a three fourth single shot maybe it's not but i think uh i think what really puts you in trouble is when it's like here is a gross fleshy penis with you know hard light from a camera flash on it and then it's just like and there's your dining table yeah or you know your your garden or something like the you really gotta make it all about you um (laughs) <laughs> not just from
1: your 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 meatiness. Um, yeah, because I can't say like just aesthetically. Like thinking about the aesthetics of what a dick pic like, should just be. just are good looking. No, they're not. And so there's got to be. They, they all they
0: like. They all look like the dried squid at the at the Asian <laughs> grocery store. <laughs>
1: No, the dried squid looks good to eat. I don't know about the other. One.
0: <laughs> At least uh, that's a matter I, I, of opinion. But I you know. don't know this man. I don't know right. how I ended up on this Discord call with him.
1: <laughs> prank caller, prank caller. I don't prank know this prank caller. No, uh, the the dried squid I think looks fine. But that's just because I like dried squid. But I guess if you didn't like dried squid, or if you thought that, yeah, okay, I can see it. Just the the, <clears> the aesthetics of it for me really are that like. It's a disembodied uh, hog, and it's just just there, and it's like, okay, that's great. Hog in space. Hog in space. And (laughs) nice, deep cut, by the way, hog in space. Uh, Pigs in space. Anyway, dick pics are weird. Uh, The history of them is also very weird.
0: Uh, This is uncomfortable, like, uh, a couple different ways. And it's like, why, as a photographer, I never did a lot of... um boudoir sets or anything like that. It's just like yeah. eh, it's just this is this is awkward and also like I gotta touch a lot of raw bacon to make your bacon bra and shit and this is stupid. Like
1: fucking Reddit culture. I don't know. Reddit culture is terrible but but that's a that's a good lead into my next thing because I was gonna talk about we talked a lot about gaming in the past couple episodes. Gotta talk about Grand Theft Auto Six. Yeah. So somebody uh, a user on the GTA forums posted a 3-gig file full of 90 videos of GTA 6 footage. Uh, this is per The Verge. So this poster claimed to be behind an unrelated hack of Uber last week, which is okay. And they also claim to have more data that they're going to release soon, like uh, source code and test builds. And Rockstar could have just said nothing but they did verify the leak was real courtesy of bloomberg so it's it's a second source that's verified it the leaked videos are online we have a playable female character Uh, we have you know a very rough in early development video game and of course reddit especially r slash gaming has predictably lost their fucking minds
0: Oh yes, because this is—it's a really woke game, because you can be like, I it looks like a, a vaguely Hispanic woman, and then right. you can just beat the shit out of someone with a hammer.
1: A woman exists in game war. Why I not play? You know, just it's.
0: She's not even wearing a bathing suit, so it's like you know. Again, we gotta tell these devs all the time. At this point, you should be hiring fans, Hire not fans programmers. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I saw some of this footage. It looks fine. I right. I I never played Grand Theft Auto Five. I felt like I had seen everything Grand Theft Auto could ever give me, mm-hmm. and I, and also at the time, like I was also like internet friends with a lot of people that had, like were in the industry and they played it and. They're kind of like, yeah, I really don't need like missions that have this kind of content in the game. In what t- you know, two thousand twelve or whatever. They're mm-hmm. just kind of like, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm over it. And I'm like, oh, I don't think I really ever need to play this. And I think, at a friend's place, he was like, oh, hey, like we're gonna be a minute. Uh, just fire up the PlayStation. Play. Oh, I got Grand Theft Auto four. You can play online. Like whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's, somehow it got him banned from his uh, fucking clan. Wow. Like, because I just kept killing people and I didn't realize it was people that were in his clan. I don't know how, like, a random lot, I don't understand any of this.
1: Oh, he was playing online. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The online has always been something I just don't care about. But, okay, the game's been in development. It's not at a state where it's ready for release. That's why this was leaked and not officially, you know, released by Rockstar. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason because it doesn't look ready to be released. So there's just this weird fan culture thing where they're like, "Oh, this looks like crap." Yes, because it's in development.
0: They've got to make sure they got to make sure the homeless guys can shit realistically,
1: right? And all the you know all the coffee shops with dildo in the name have to be rendered in 4K at 60 your, frames a second. Your dildo chino. Yes, thank you. <laughs> What's my name? Dildochino. That is a reference to the Adam Sandler film Jack and Jill, where Al Pacino changes his name to Dunkachino. What's my name? Dunkachino. Dunka, 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 Dunkachino.
0: Wait, that's what that's from? Yeah. Jeez, that was like a movie when I worked (laughs) at Blockbuster. It was the
1: only reason to watch that movie, by the way. It's mostly just a, a, kind of a, by the numbers, Adam Sandler movie, but he plays himself and his twin sister. It's mostly just harmless. There's a lot of diarrhea jokes. But the only funny bit is Pacino playing himself because he's just hamming it up. Because he knows it doesn't matter. He's getting the money anyway. He's hanging out with Adam Sandler. He's in
0: a, a late 2000s Adam Sandler movie. It is the easiest money he's probably ever made.
1: Show up, Al. Wing it. We got this. And uh, he does. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, I'm not really interested. I mean, I don't I don't know.
1: Oh, no, don't watch it. It's not good. I'm just no, telling no, no, you that. No, 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 I mean,
0: I'm talking about Grand Theft Auto here. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if uh, uh, even if Grand Theft Auto continues down that same sense of humor that it's had since, you know, the first Grand Theft Auto on PC and PlayStation. I'm not sure if I want that. And I'm not even sure if they try for a different angle for its humor, if I want that either. Because I sure as shit don't want, like, a a fucking Joss Whedon Grand Theft Auto.
1: Right, because if you wanted that, you'd play Saints Row. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) that's a perfect time to switch over to our next bit, of course, the Crypto Scam of the Week. It's about, of course... Wintermute. Have you heard about this? Have you seen this? Yeah,
0: Wintermute, a uh, market maker. That's actually mm-hmm. kind of crazy that they got uh, hacked for, what was that, $160
1: million? $160 million. Now, this is the second time they've got got in the past four months. Actually, it was June. They provided the wrong wallet address to... The Optimism Project, Optimism sent 20 million OP tokens to a non-existent address. Someone else noticed the error and took the tokens. They did a bounty like we've talked about. So they returned 17 million of the tokens, keeping the rest as bounty. And they've been trading at about a dollar. So they walked away with about 3 million bucks. Now this one, this one was more interesting. And I wanted to bring this up because it's actually... It's tied to something we had talked about in a previous episode. We had talked about um, eth.link, basically a DNS for Ethernet.
0: Which is back up
1: again. It is back up because someone actually got the okay to get the domain back up. Anyway, this one, this particular hack of Wintermute was about something similar. There's a wallet address generator called profanity. A network of white hats found vulnerability. You can reverse the brute force method, find the keys, discover the private key, and then you have access to the whole deal.
0: So you can have, and this is also some like weirdo script kitty or my equivalent of a script kitty can have a wallet address that has like a bunch of zeros or says (laughs) like Hitler is cool 420 or, you know, Leet Hacks or Mace
1: Windu. Exactly, whatever vanity address you want to have. But once they have all this info, they know the, they know the hash and the salt, and they can figure out, mm-hmm. they can reverse engineer, basically. So, so far, profanity has been leveraged by this exploit to the tune of about 3.3 million from various vanity addresses. Related to that is Wintermute. So, because profanity has this exploit in it. Well, market-making firm Wintermute, they had several crypto assets in a vault. The vault relied on an admin address with a certain prefix. The vanity address functioned as an admin account in the form of a hot wallet. And it was reverse-engineered, and they were able to get the private keys. So, $160 Mm. yeah that's
0: not <sighs> that some change man that's real money Mm-mm. imagine if you went to del taco with 160
1: million dollars i'd buy the dang restaurant pay all them employees
0: at that point folks why are you even eating at del taco if you Mm-mm. got that kind of scratch you know what i'm got, saying
1: that's right no i buy the restaurant and uh and give the workers raises and uh you know update their equipment find a better beef distributor but we don't live in a perfect world, do we, Brian?
0: <laughs> no, no. They took our Del
1: Tacos away. They, we were bad, and we took them away. And Daddy St. Louis will not give them back.
0: And, and then on the other, and here's the weirdest thing: is like how fucked up St. Louis is. Is you go to another part of town, not too far from like where you're at, and like there's a really expensive apartment building across the street from a place that sells crayon and CBD, like that's like fucking bougie. Yep. <laughs> And it's called, I think the building's called The Mofo. Oh, yeah, The Mofo. Short, short for, for Morgan, Morgan Ford. Ford, yeah. God, that's so stupid. And people, and people are always like, why do you want to leave St. Louis? And I just would be like, Sh- shit like that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So there's really no easy way to segue into this. We're just going to go ahead and do it. Today's main story is about uh, a porno comic. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Fellas, do you like words get you
1: horned? Oh, it's not just words. It's also some of them anime-style pictures. 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 Filthy. Filthy. Uh, so, yes, we're talking about one of the origins of one of the oldest words on the internet. Talking about the word fap. Brian, you know what fap means, yes? Yeah, it's
0: uh, beating your meat. You're punching the one-eyed bishop. You are death-gripping your dick. It
1: goes, it goes, it goes, it goes, it goes, it goes, It goes. jacking it! It goes, 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 it goes! Yeah, you're death-gripping it. So, where the hell did that come from? Well, most people point to a comic by uh, a gentleman, user by the name of Clay, also known as Hard, that started out its life as the Thin H Line, the H referring to hentai. Mm. The Thin H Line started out as a bit of a riff on an existing comic at the time, a a manga series written by Masahiko Kikuni, it's a four-panel comic series. They printed it in Weekly Young Sunday. Viz Media put out an English language translation. I have both books, and they're really, really funny. It's a four-panel comic, mostly about, you know, toilet humor. Uh, jokes about otaku culture, jokes about Con stuff. Uh, really, really sophisticated dick jokes.
0: That's what I... As far as, like, this kind of content, I would say the exact opposite of this is Electric read. Okay. This is a very nice, pleasant Electric read.
1: <laughs>
0: Are you familiar? Am I speaking no. some, of something you don't know about?
1: On that, uh, d- d- no, what?
0: Electric read is a very explicit, very graphic, very unpolitically correct webcomic that has been around on and off for about, 15 years and is published by this weird Australian guy that you supposed on the Chan boards who may or may not be a neo-Nazi. I'm not sure, but it's, it is one of the shocking, most shocking and weirdest things I've ever seen. And it's, there's probably like a through line between like this and like, Sam Hyde, almost like it's just it seems like it's this it's the cesspool that bursts something that can go out in public, not that that's anything really at this point, but it's like that was what I was thinking, like as I was like browsing through sexy losers was like, yeah, this is like kind of vulgar, kind of explicit, but like it it's there seems to be some sort of line here.
1: You bring up an interesting point there, because I think what Thin H Line and what Heartbroken Angels, which came you know nine years before it, were doing were kind of almost poking fun at manga's self-seriousness, satirizing some of the genre conventions, satirizing manga fans themselves. They even, you know, took the piss out of them. You know, the, the own authors would self-insert and and be like, "Oh, I'm such a pathetic worm," or whatever.
0: <laughs> Please step on me.
1: In Heartbroken Angels, uh, the main <laughs> one of the main characters is the author himself, being a real asshole, and it just Heartbroken Angels came out, and the first original English release was 2001. So actually it had been around a while. But the English translation had come after the Thin H line. So, the Thin H line ostensibly could be seen as the actual originator, and then the translators of Heartbroken Angels may be borrowing from it. I don't think the onomatopoeia for someone masturbating in Japanese is the same as it is in English. At least, I wouldn't think so, right? Right. Yes. Anyway... (laughs) This all gets into this like super weird soup. It's already pretty niche, right? Like it already has this built in kind of like, okay, what the fuck are you talking about? So two comics existed, one of which was called Heartbroken Angels. Heartbroken Angels, generally known for creating the term FAP as an onomatopoeia for masturbation. Then the Thin H line used it and it became popular on the internet because Thin H line is a webcomic. Most people probably haven't read Heartbroken Angels. That's probably not a thing. But the author of Thin H-Line slash Sexy Losers, which is what the name they had to change to uh, for, for later. But there's so many weird stories and jokes and references, not necessarily that became memes themselves, but that are still kind of filtering through to the culture today. Okay, let me give you a, an example. Here's, here's a running storyline From Sexy Losers Kenta's horny mom Kenta's mom has a problem Her son is a stud Kenta has a problem too His mom's a babe And it's not just maternal bonding That she has in mind Now remember, this is 1999 Stepmom porn Is huge today (laughs) But he plays it for these really He He
0: had first mover advantage
1: Yes, yes you know there's a there's a, a goof about she thinks the sun is spying on her in the shower and is like taking her time and jacking off. and, and the last final of course, is, if she doesn't get out of the bathroom soon, I'm going to piss myself. So like, it's not always played as though the the, the sun's in on the, the whole thing. It's very goofy, it's very vulgar and very funny, and I just I, I recommend it if, you got to go into it with like a, with an open mind, basically jokes about fucking your mom, but they're genuinely funny.
0: It's not like a Woody Allen thing.
1: <laughs> it's not betraying something of his own. Yeah, his own neuroses or something. Yeah, it's not Portnoy's complaint.
0: I don't think the individual <clears throat> you said Clay.
1: It's Clay. Well, Clay and Hard are used interchangeably. When the strip changed from Thin H Line to Sexy Losers, the uh, author changed their name from Clay to Hard, but they're the same person essentially.
0: I don't think they're like working out any issues. Through this, I don't think, not at least in like the Louis C.K. Woody Allen kind of way, which makes it easier to read because it doesn't feel like there's any weird subtext going on here. Is the author's full name Clay Johnson? Because like when I was like looking up something related to the comic, mm-hmm. I got this Instagram page, and because like it's really hard, obviously, like the Google shit sometimes. Mm-hmm. trying to figure out, like, if this Clay Johnson... And the art style seems similar, like...
1: Hmm, Clay Comics. It could be, uh, because they've, I mean, they've been around a while.
0: Like, some huh. of this line work looks really familiar. Like, it's not bad. Like
1: Yeah, it, it has a very familiar style. You're right, because there's a, a comic that was posted June 18th, 2017. Uh, Depression Comics really does have that old thin h-line style to it. Boy, let me mm-hmm. let me dig into this. We may be rec- we may be discovering something live on the show as we go because boy.
0: Yeah, they have like a portfolio website. Yeah. Yeah, the Clay Comics. And uh it looks pretty familiar.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I'm a person who has been drawing web comics since 1997, which lines up because 99 is when one of the first thin h-line comics came out we're doing a little bit of investigation here because something all right well clay comics on twitter did post once upon a time sexy losers number four so that that is uh, that is the very same in the bio on twitter at clay comics with an x in the classic 90s style he slash him i draw comics i don't do nfts yeah baby <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the last thing we would want would be for a Sexy Losers slash Thin H-Line NFT. So. I got our
0: confirmation. Yeah. So in the About page for Clay Comics with an mm. X, it says, Hi, I'm Clay. I draw. I don't know if I do it well enough to brag about it, but I do enjoy it nonetheless. A little bit about me. I'm originally from Canada, but I've lived in Japan since 1999. Probably my most well-known work on the internet is Sexy Losers, which fizzled during a terrible bout of depression in 2005. Currently, I'm trying to rediscover my love for comics, and one comic I have been working on lately is Depression Comics, which is very cathartic for me.
1: Well, there we have it. So we've we uh, we've kind of peeled back the onion a bit. So Clay's work uh, may have been a, a, a bit of an exercise in kind of diving into the darkness, because there's some really grim, weird shit sometimes. There's an entire character whose um, entire storyline and and reason for existing is to make necrophilia jokes. Shinji and the Suicide Girl. It's described (laughs) on the website as the adventures of Shinji Watanabe, the man who loves his women the morning after, as in after they've uh, passed on.
0: Oh, yes, I've seen some of these before. Yeah, this is... (laughs)
1: and actually one of the one of the images from this series the smiling girl with a noose around her neck saying hmm, suicide should be a private thing uh, so for someone in the in the grips of depression making this like super cute super kawaii uh, anime girl about to hang herself is very <laughs> it's more telling than i think we realize but it's also played for laughs
0: It's it's really macabre. It's kind of like dark humor that I think you can only really have if like you're under twenty one and you've never (laughs) like really had like any real like hardships in your life. Like you never had like a tragic death in your family right or or you know, something like that. Like like the those cards haven't come up yet in your life. Like give it a couple of years, but life hasn't completely killed you yet.
1: Right, and, and what's interesting is that the, the story continues after she accidentally kills herself. So she's going to do all these, these attempted suicides, and this guy keeps showing up there saying, oh yeah, well, I'm going to have sex with you when you're dead. And so she tries to find different ways. Well, she accidentally goes through with it, and then he's going to go dig her up. So it just... <laughs> and the storyline continues. She comes back from the dead, takes revenge. It's, it's really weird, but it's also, as I said, very funny. You know, he's, he's dug her up and he's got her taxidermied and he calls into this, you know, the other character on Thin H. Uh, Lines, it's call-in show, the, the Love Talk, saying, you know, oh, the sex is great, but I want, you know, I need somebody to talk to. So he's asking a corpse, so what's your favorite band? <laughs> Yeah, it's just so odd. It's It started as a four-panel joke comic, but then it actually had an interesting story. It was very weird. It was a time when that kind of thing could kind of proliferate. Because that was one of the comics... I mean, it ran for 10 years, if I remember right. It went from ninety nine to 2009, or, or thereabouts. Oh, no, I have one here posted of 2016.
0: Bands don't really break up anymore. You know, like just in case some of that sweet college or festival money comes around. So well, I think some people just keep the dream alive a little bit.
1: Well, so this started, I, I just have to keep like thinking about this. Like this started as like, oh yeah, I remember this funny kind of horny comic that in, that that brought the word fap to American audiences. And it ended with, oh yeah, this guy's got depression and the comic still, you know, was still going in like 2016. And now he's writing comics about depression. What a turn this episode took, I gotta say. (laughs) It
0: was not what I I expected
1: when I walked in.
0: (laughs) I I, I think everyone that did a webcomic 20 years ago was probably uh, really depressed if I had to take a wild guess. Because if they weren't, they wouldn't have been on the internet.
1: That's true. Yeah. Well, there's a certain pathology, too. Like, you need the validation of other people, right? You need the conversation that the early web, you know, we didn't have social media in in that way. So you had things like LiveJournal, or you would have a webcomic, or you would have a website, a little blog, you know? And so before Twitter started to run our lives, that was what? You had your own little niches. You had
0: your web ring and South Park midis and...
1: Whatever, whatever niche interest was yours, you would find, oh, a sub forum or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, webcomics people really, really are an interesting bunch. I was trying to think of what the other webcomic was that made me, this made me think of, and I was thinking it must have been Tokyo. Uh, another very not Japanese, but Japanese like comic. Yeah, I have
0: not thought about Mega in a long time. <laughs> I think the only thing I really know about Mega Tokyo is that that was probably one of the easiest forums to invade and get a rise out of. <laughs> like, I think like them and like Hard OCP.
1: Oh, wow. Hard OCP. I hadn't thought about that in a long time. I mean, Mega Tokyo wound up getting reprinted by, you know, Dark Horse Comics. The Thin H Line, I don't think ever got the Viz Media treatment that that Heartbroken Angels did, but it was basically a very you know similar comic. What a weird time to be on the internet! (laughs) What a weird time to be there. I was there. It was kind
0: of crappy. It was interesting, but it was kind of crappy.
1: Oh no, I'm not saying it was good. I'm just saying it was very strange.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's like one of the thing like. One of the things about looking back is like, not all of this is necessarily great. Like, I think, like, we're looking at Sexy Losers, and I see like a sense of humor and an approach and an aesthetic that's not really found anymore. Like, I think if someone was going to do something like Sexy Losers, it would probably be a little bit more cynical and calculated than what like everything at that time in the internet like someone just did because they were bored yeah and then yeah. someone was like hey you should make a t-shirt okay we'll do a <laughs> cafe press thing where you can get like a, a the, the the world's thickest and weirdly cut Haynes beefy tea they with, were so uh, bad a catch, was a, with a catchphrase on it like but I'm going to say uh, like I've been so afraid of webcomic nerds in real life that like ache was probably one of my favorite things in the world. If I've ever, if I, there's happened a few times, like when I was like at the firebird, there was a couple times, like I'd be like working the door for a minute and a guy would come in wearing like an Akewood shirt. And I would just be like, I'm never going to talk to that guy. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> you think it was, it because Akewood fans are intense or, or what, what do you think no, that was about? Like,
0: um, I think it's just more like, I don't know if right now I want to have a conversation which is like, oh, yeah, I'm on the Internet, too. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. Talking to girls. Not so great either. Anyways, it was nice meeting you.
1: Well, I mean, it it is kind of a a loser's club mentality, I guess, if you if you put it that way. Sure. (laughs) But, you know, uh, it's a shared it's a it's a shared cultural experience. I don't see anything wrong with that. Now, if I was to see someone in like a Homestuck shirt, (sighs) I would avoid them. Because homestuck people are are crazy.
0: I was like at a, a priest's show a couple of years ago, and there was like a guy there that like cornered me and my friend because my friend was wearing a wrestling shirt, and it was like the guy was super nice, but it was like, "Oh my god, I actually wanted to talk to my friend about some things before any of the music started," right? And now we've just been talking about wrestling and like. <laughs> Oh, like and like which is cool but like To a
1: point. Yeah.
0: Yes, but like my my bro dude, you have kind of sauntered in on two other people's lives and it has been a nice conversation. But perhaps ten minutes ago you should have been like, Hey, I'm gonna go grab a beer, you know, it was really nice talking to you all. Uh you know, if you wanna like talk after the show, just you know, come up to me or something like that and it's just like no <laughs> This is not I'm just like I like
1: it was nice, but yeah, you.
0: You should end this, yeah. Like, it, it just. It's just like, God damn it. Maybe I'm just like <laughs> a persnickety person
1: when I'm out in the wild. I don't know. It's entirely possible. I mean, I, I do remember the first time I met you, you did kind of give off this vibe of please don't fuck with me, which I wasn't gonna, but, you know. Uh, you, you. <laughs> and I think that's a self preservation thing. That's not a bad thing. When, when, when was
0: that? What was that? Oh god, I'm that trying, was years ago. I don't know. I even mean remember I know it was years was. ago, but I, I'm trying I'm trying to remember how we met. I knew I met you because I was at the Firebird.
1: Yeah, it was it was definitely through the music scene. I, I think it might have been one of those things where I was I was getting told by someone in the scene that I was terrible. And <laughs> which was often, uh, and <laughs> no, I think you were shooting a show, and and, and I was uh, playing it. I think that's, I mean, that's probably the most likely, probably just given where the time frames would have overlapped. But or maybe I was at the show or something. I don't know. But but there's definitely a the weirdos can sense each other vibe. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I'm like, okay. like
0: you know, you know, if, if too much, many of us start talking at a point in time, the police are going to show up. <laughs>
1: Right. Yeah. If you start really talking like we talk sometimes on this show, there's going to be some questions, yeah. and you don't want. It. Like in
0: 2012, I got an email from the Riverfront Times. Someone, some editor there, that was like, uh, "Can you cover Mardi Gras for us?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I got Saturday Open," and I was like asking like what the what the rate was. And I'm like, "Okay, that's not too bad." And like, okay, well we've got like people doing the parade and all that. We want you to get like the real you know, the real nitty-gritty. We want you to get the the tits and the puke and all that stuff. And I'm like (laughs) and I'm like, oh, this this person is is really green because like if they were smart, they would have like looked up my photo and realized like, oh, this guy kinda looks like Andy Dick if you melted him like a stick of butter.
1: Maybe, maybe Like the wax uh, the 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 Madame Tussauds version, yeah. The Madame Tussauds
0: version <laughs> of Andy Dick. Uh oh no! The the wax Andy Dick is giving cocaine to Philip Hartman's <laughs> wife.
1: <laughs> oh, this Phil, don't go to sleep.
0: So, like that whole entire day, like I got good, I got good photos. Don't get me wrong, because it's like Mardi Gras and like just like walking around and talking with people and. uh... I got one photo of the saddest pair of, like, grandma tits outside <laughs> out of a window. And I was like, that was <laughs> no. it. And oh, was it's, like, not, it's
1: bad enough that they're sad, but then, they're yeah. Oh, it boy. was it
0: was not, like... Yeah, and I, I've done Margar a few times just, like, as, like, a, a dude and have not seen that much in the way of, like, tits or dicks. It's usually, like people getting in over their head with alcohol or other substances and sometimes it's kind of funny sometimes it's it's kind of scary what I remember most about that Mardi Gras in particular is this was this was the time when LMFAO was arguably the hottest thing in America and I'm walking around Soulard which is a neighborhood where Mardi Gras takes place and I remember like one window being open and you hear like Party Rock Anthem and then you would walk past that window and you would keep walking down the street and as Party Rock Anthem got quieter in that window, you would then start hearing Party Rock Anthem coming from uh, like a couple blocks ahead of you down the street. And so it was just really just walking around the neighborhood of everyone listening to Party Rock Anthem and like Sublime and shit. It was a really weird time and I think you know, we can move on to something else after this, but I don't know when I'll ever get to bring this up. But, like, I got there early. I got there, like, 10 or 11 in the morning, like, right before the parade, and I stayed pretty late. There's, like, a bunch of, like, finance guys, like, older dudes, like, and they're very nice, like, you know, Brooks Brothers, like, winter overcoats and stuff. And they're all standing around in the circle, like, you know, like 10 yards from a, an alcohol tent. And they all got, like, cans of Four loco. and this one guy I remember who probably was like probably the cool dude in the group of these old finance guys cracks one open I think he had like a blueberry and he takes a good drag and he wipes his chin and he just goes fuck my kid can drink this shit oh no (laughs) (laughs) this is fucking terrible and like all the other dudes start drinking, it and they're all commenting on like this is the worst thing. And like, and people are going to be like, Yeah, I've had Mad Dog, and this makes Mad Dog taste good, and that kind of mm-hmm.
1: shit. And yeah, it was wild. That is an interesting segue because last time I had Mad Dog, I puked my brains out. And today's shock.jpg is all about puking your brains out. We're going with a bowl girl. Bowl girl? Brian, are you familiar with bowl girl? No.
0: I'm sure I've seen it.
1: I'm sure you have. If you've seen a shock chan site or if you've seen a you know a, a shock site, it's probably one of those things. So in 1995, there was a fetish film filmed in Japanese called Terrible Meal. That's the English translation of the, of the name of the video. Um, it is a solo video. Reiko Yatsuki is our J-A-V here. Um, she was very game for this uh, because it is uh, really disgusting. Spoiler warning, uh, it is about puking. Sitting at a dining table, metal bowl, lit candle, and she induces vomiting on herself by sticking her hand down her throat. Vomits repeatedly And then begins to Consume it She shoves the chunks of vomit back into her mouth And makes loud slurping noises And Look, somebody is getting off to this That's why the video was made There's an entire uh, Fetish dedicated to this Oh, I'm sure It's called emetophilia the, the sexual arousal From vomiting or watching others vomit uh, Sometimes referred to as a Vomit fetish It's also known as a Roman shower because of the uh, apocryphal stories about Romans uh, puking and then going back to the orgies, that type of thing. In the 90s, Japanese pornography was known for being extreme and weird. And this is no exception.
0: I don't know if I have brought this up before. You can tell me if I have or haven't, but in high school, I had a group of friends that all worked at movie theaters, and one of them actually ended up stealing a a surplus movie screen from one of these theaters in question and built basically a a theater in his basement. Um, His parents just didn't give a shit, so you go over (laughs) to his house and there would be a legit movie screen on one of the walls. And then him and his friends, our friends, went to a bunch of like thrift stores and stuff, and bought a bunch of cheap couches and and made stadium seating in the basement, <laughs> and had just hundreds and hundreds of DivX videos and stuff. And they stole, oh, no. they stole the DivX uh, videos. Oh. They stole a digital projector from oh, wow. the uh, AV department at school. I remember talking to the guy that was friends with probably the closest out of that friend group at that time and he's like wow we just went over the you know such and such and you know it was just a really crazy time my girlfriend was freaking out and such and such and his girlfriend were freaking out and i'm like well what was it and it was like oh it was just a, you know but it was a, a, a video of like three asian girls putting eels like little one two inch eels in each other's vaginas and like Mm -hmm. shooting them out
1: (laughs) I believe that was called the eel soup by the way on (laughs) that what's the name
0: of the video we just called it the eel video or eel (laughs) porn
1: yeah, it's, it's 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 apocryphal. I don't know if it's it's been passed around as much as people say it has, but but uh, I believe it. I mean, it was it was, because, it was yeah. an
0: infamous thing for probably like the last two years of high school. Like bringing that up, particularly for people over there for the first screening. Um, mm-hmm. There was like a second screen. I think I saw a part. I think that's how I saw it. And it was mm-hmm. only like a couple minutes. It wasn't the whole thing because like everyone's like everyone else was like. Yeah, I really don't want to see this a second time. But we also want to gross you guys out, so we're going to yep. watch some of it. And I was like, yeah, I I don't really need to see that.
1: <laughs> yeah. it was
0: terrible. It was terrible. It was just that was just like kind of. I mean, that was also this, the same group of friends where one of my buddies had a shirt that said Goat C. CX on it. You know? Like, yes,
1: you have brought you brought him up before, and I gotta say, I'm I'm just in awe. I mean, the balls it takes to wear that. In any kind of public setting, he was a madman.
0: He was not only one of the smartest guys I know, but also kind of like deep down, one of like the most destructively funniest. Like, he would one day, I remember being in a class with him, and the teacher is like just at the chalkboard, never turning around. And he's just like, He's Sutter, check this out. I'm like, what's up and he took a screwdriver and removed the back off of a chair and put it in his book bag and uh, I was just like why'd you do that he goes I don't know and then like I Jesus. go, I go to his house I go over to his house and in his bedroom he had mounted it above his door and he had taken like a, like a knife or, or like a, a flathead screwdriver and etched his AIMS screen name into the back of the chair
1: oh my god
0: (laughs) yeah that guy is some sort of engineer now i haven't talked to him in a number of years but like i have a couple friends that still keep up to him i'm like how is he doing he's like he's got like two kids and (laughs) like and it's just it's amazing like i mean i'm just a complete dumbass but like i have friends from high school people i hung out with that like work at nasa and do like real people shit i'm fairly certain the guy that i sat next to during 9-11 is now a cia asset so like oh my god you you wouldn't believe it yeah i i, I would yeah i oh, don't know high school fucking weird but anyways eel porn speaking of things being discharged from women uh did you hear about this did you read about this jason it's
1: <laughs> it's just pete I I actually I I hadn't until you sent this this link to me, uh courtesy of Insider. I did not know oh Insider.com did this kind of reporting, but but yes. Some real shoe your, leather work here. In, indeed, or some kind of leather. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so they did a really basic experiment and, and that makes a lot of sense the way they did it. So what they did was they injected an indigo colored liquid into five women's bladders, and they had said they all previously squirted in past sexual encounters. And yeah, they they said yeah, it's it's pee. It's pee.
0: <laughs> and I like and I like how that the method to getting this was a man using his penis or fingers. And I'm just like wondering is there's just like a guy in a lab coat that's just <laughs> polishing his rod and it's like sir, we need you to get some accurate data and he's just like
1: I was born to get accurate data. They dug up some people from the Kinsey Institute or from Masters and Johnson. Yeah, they got one of the <laughs> like a seventy year old guy. Like,
0: I'm just imagining like they bring in like some some old school like Japanese just like fuck guy. Like, he's wearing the backwards sunglasses, uh, shirts buttoned down way too low, just scratching his dick all the time because uh, he ain't, he hasn't used it today. When's he going to get to use it? And it's just like, they just bring in, like, this guy. He's the ringer. Like, yeah. if, listen, if this guy can't kiss these women the squirt, they're lying.
1: And he walks up to them all smooth-like and just goes, "More, Mora, Shitekita. Uh, <laughs> which yeah. is, uh, I'm, I'm getting horny. Uh, so... <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Some uh, you know just, all all the all the Japanese I ever learned was from uh, porno so
0: <laughs> I bet so they sign me, me up the for airport. the next survey
1: is what I'm saying and sign me up um. <laughs> it's it's P I mean it's P folks I could
0: I could have told you from my own personal experience yeah that's that's probably P
1: well vomit pee, eels I think. I think the only thing we have left now is to do some aftercare and clean up a bit. So we're gonna do our you traditional good? thing at the end of the show called the breath mint. Brian, is there something that you've been watching during your isolation, during our uh, our mutual isolation?
0: Watched a lot of things. Let's see. Let's go. Let's do a little rundown here. I watched. Hmm. I watched hmm. Wanted, which. Oh bringing up my my past employment at blockbuster that was a very popular movie when I worked there mm-hmm. and it was one of those things where um, it didn't look appealing it look it was a v- this look- didn't look good but I'm sick I have covid what the fuck else I mean like streaming media has nothing but a captive audience in me <laughs> so you know, I was like you know what if I don't watch it now I'll never really know how terrible it is and it was pretty dog shit. Um, it is uh, the dude that plays Professor Professor X in James McAvoy. McAvoy, um, yeah. In this weird, like, like the the way that the story is set up is like this weird kind of edge lord. This edge presentation that's like very sharp, very quick cuts, but also mm. kind of feels like guys. It's like a movie made for guys that liked Fight Club but also thought the war in Iraq was a good thing. Like that's the only way I can really describe it. It's just like if you loved Fight Club but you hate your black neighbor, this is a movie for you. Um, <laughs> hey
1: like, Morgan just, Freeman's it just, in it. Come on, it can't be that bad. <laughs> it,
0: but like but he like it doesn't make it any better.
1: No. Because it like no. you
0: I mean, some of the action scenes are done really well. All the car chase right. stuff is really cool. Um, whoever did, like, transportation on that and did rigging, that yeah. shit, like, that shit was probably the best part of the movie. Angelina Jolie doesn't really do too much other than just be, like, uh, an object of male gaze. She's in it enough to make you wonder why she's there. Ah.
1: Well, she's there to get the name on the poster. Nobody who knew knew who James McAvoy was at the time. And, and weird,
0: and it's weird, James McAvoy, because, like... He's gotta be young in that movie. Oh yeah. But but he's like if you asked me how old he was, I'd be like, I don't know. Thirty-eight? Yeah. Like, yeah. like they could have had him playing like a kid in high school and I'd be like, that's a thirty eight year old in, <laughs> in the twelfth grade. I don't know what he's doing there. The the police really should be doing something here. But 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 the thing that got me the thing that got me was that like this movie's really stupid. It's trying to be deep but it doesn't know how it doesn't yeah. have the language. It doesn't have the heart. Um, and then you find out that this this enclave of, of old school assassins get their orders from a fucking loom.
1: <laughs> okay, so I, I feel like I have to defend at least part of this because that's straight from the comics.
0: I heard the comics are also dog shit.
1: Yeah, they're known for being just um, inexplicable. And, and that's <laughs> because they kept a lot of Mark Millar's uh, stuff in it. That's why a lot of the movie had that. But also, part of it is this was the English language debut from a uh, a Russian film director. Mm-hmm. So he had done two movies before, which I really enjoyed, called Night Watch and Day Watch. Okay. But Night Watch and Day Watch also had the same problem of, oh boy, all the action is great. Everything else in between that is okay. You know, it was the same thing. Uh, Nightwatch, Daywatch, there part one and part two of, a, of this vampire story. There's, uh, there's much like in Blade, there's Nightwalkers and Daywalkers. <laughs> it broke all records in Russia and became the number one box office movie of all time, which of course was then broken the following year. But, you know, uh, Nightwatch itself was, you know, a big deal. At the time, it has this kind of vibe of a Jean Paul Genier type of fantasy, the City of Lost Children.
0: And I'm a big City of Lost Children fan, so okay, maybe I gotta watch these movies.
1: Yeah, definitely give Night Watch and Daywatch a shot just because of the way that they play with space. And it, it, one of the early uses of CG to me in film where I was like, okay. This is what CG was meant to do, kind of enhance an action scene, mm-hmm. make it more interesting. But yeah, I mean, there's there's a fantasy psychobabble. It's about vampires. So there's all this rule setting and all that. Still worth a watch. But yeah, that was his English language debut was Wanted. And so it was him adapting an already kind of OK, mediocre comic and trying to Ape other American film directors' styles because yeah, like you said, there's a there's a Fight Club vibe to some of the office scenes in the opening. There's some stuff pulled from Office Space, mm-hmm. you know, which Mike Judge is not an exceptional film director, but he knows how to get comedy out of a scene. This guy didn't necessarily quite hit the mark on that. You know what I mean? Because yeah, there's there some moments where it could have been really funny. And it's just wound up being really overblown. So I get that. I get that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's very tedious. I can't imagine I would have been any kinder to it in 2008 or 2009. Right. Um, but I did realize, though, at the time, that was uh, Saturday. And so I was, like, really deep in my COVID era. And right. my voice was very deep and gravelly. And I was just sending voice memos to my friends being like, Wesley. I need you to shoot off my dick and balls, Wesley. The (laughs) loom said you gotta shoot off.
1: Get me from behind.
0: Blow my my fruit basket straight off there, Wesley. In the times of the ancient warriors, you must absolutely destroy my dick and balls. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit.
1: Morgan Freeman asking Wesley just to annihilate his testicles. That's fantastic. Fuck up my my dick. Uh, One of the movies that I watched during my isolation was Emily the Criminal. Emily the Criminal is a brand spankin new starring vehicle for Aubrey Plaza. She of Parks and Rec and all that. It's her doing a dramatic turn. It is a gritty crime drama about a millennial who is up to her neck in student debt from art school, who cannot get a job because of a felony conviction in her youth, and who turns to a life of crime. It is tense. It's a very simple story, but told well. Aubrey Plaza acts her ass off in this movie. I cannot recommend it enough. I know that it is available for some streaming services. I believe Amazon Prime is where I found it. Starring and produced by Aubrey Plaza, by the way. So there is a vanity card in the opening of the movie that says Evil Hag Productions, which, of course, if you follow her on Twitter, her handle is at Evil Hag. So... Amazing. So so this was a very much, um, you know, a a a Aubrey Plaza vehicle. It was it was produced by and you know intended for and like this is her her flick. Um, They did a brief theatrical release, but it came and went sadly because it's a small budget movie. It's the way things are now. Um, You know, you probably only opened in like two hundred theaters, if that. If that. Yeah. Um, small screens maybe, you know, some of the art houses may have it, but
0: it's uh it's totally weird to like go up on IMDb or Wikipedia now and look up a, a page for a current movie and, and seeing that like oh, it had like a forty million dollar budget, it made back twenty mm-hmm. and then you're like but this is this is like a top ten movie last year. <laughs> yeah I mean, and then you're like, oh, it probably made back all of its money like in streaming and direct the video and all that,
1: hopefully because for- i mean with a with a movie like this, you know I mean it didn't cost very much, because I mean it was maybe four sets, and it doesn't look like they really had to build any. It looked like they were all kind of you know at, using what was already there, you know, just getting permission from the owners or whoever to shoot there, you know, small cast it was maybe six people with speaking roles, you know? Sure. One of the, one of the funnier running bits actually is that she has three roommates, all of which speak Japanese and none of them acknowledge that she even exists. So (laughs) you'll be walking in with like all this like stolen merchandise. And these three people are like sitting on a couch, talking to each other, not even aware that she's even there. Um, It was really weird. And, but yeah, it's, it's, this it's, it's great. It's a little, little crime caper kind of a a mini uncut gems not nearly obviously on the level of that movie but it's it's that kind of raw performance that that Aubrey Plaza I haven't seen that from her before and then because I saw that I went on a bit of an Aubrey Plaza uh a binge there and watched the extremely horny movie the to-do list <laughs> Have you seen this film Brian? I have not heard of this. So the to-do list About a nine-year-old film, Aubrey Plaza, Bill Hader, Andy Samberg, kind of the same kind of crew, a lot of people that that all kind of work in the same melange around that time. So Aubrey Plaza plays a teenager going to college, and she has an entire list of... Sex acts that she wants to do before, <laughs> before becoming a, a college freshman, and so it's raunchy, it's funny, it's an old school kind of like um, kind of like a meatballs, you know, one of those movies where like we don't really see a lot of those anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And again, this was nine years ago, but still, like it, it feels more recent because it's got some more recent people in it. You got Alia Schaukat and uh, Christopher mintz Like if you name a, f- a funny person that's still working now, they're probably were in it. Um, and Clark Gregg and and Rachel Bilson, uh, Bill Hader. I, I think I said Bill Hader before, but I like him so much. Um, it's just, it's raunchy, it's funny. There's there's just, a, but it's also, in a weird way, it's, it's that 80s teen sex comedy vibe, but make it earnest. Right. Because the character Brandy, you know, she's not just doing it to do it. Well, I guess she kind of is, but also like there's there's a a bit in there about how she's also feels like she's missed out on all these teenage experiences because she was, you know, going to be valedictorian or, or, you know, head of her class or whatever it is. And uh, yeah, it's just it's you don't see sex comedies with a cast like that of mainstream actors anymore. You may see them. They may still be around. But I don't really see them in that much of it because, like, we had American Pie that was in mm-hmm. the '90s. You know what I mean? Like the last, God, what was the last teen sex comedy I can think of? Maybe
0: I feel like the good last, boys. Maybe yeah. Was it good
1: boys? Is it was well, the preteens going around trying to get laid? Right?
0: Yeah, I think I think for me, like the last one was probably like I think really good one
1: was um, Super Bad. Super bad, yeah. That was oh man, what a star vehicle that wound up being. And Christopher Mintz-Plasse is in both of these uh, in in the to do list as well. Let's you see. Know,
0: you know, I'm just going since we're talking about movies. I'm probably just yeah. going to keep going back to the blockbuster. Well, here when I worked at Blockbuster, yeah, <laughs> there was a movie of a similar concept that came out. Now, Blockbuster in 2009 2010 was really on the ropes, and. Sorry. I'm a little bit of a oh, hue yeah. Cow hit here, and I'm producing
1: throat milk. Um, Ew. Oh, God. I'm keeping that, by the way. That's staying in, but that's gross.
0: <laughs> Sorry.
1: So, <laughs> I mean, I am too. I'm two, just 2009,
0: 2010 blockbuster, pretty sad scene. The store that I worked at didn't always get the best stuff. So, we got like mm-hmm. all the weird Transformer knockoff movies. <laughs> um, Transmorphers. Yes, Transmorphers. <laughs> so All the like, asylum there was that movie. There was that films, movie that yeah. was like called like Ten Thousand BC or whatever. So there oh, was a yeah. knockoff called like One Thousand BC or a hundred thousand. Yeah. BC. like just like oh. just, just just shit that was just changed enough that the lawyers couldn't get involved or didn't or it wasn't worth getting involved. And
1: There's there a whole a, production company that does that stuff, and they're called Asylum Pictures, and their their stuff is the most awful, but also. It's yes, like a I've, curio. Seen, I've
0: seen more than a few of those. But, like, didn't Asylum also do, like, Trick or Treat? Or am I thinking.
1: I, I want to say so, but that, that may also be Full Moon.
0: Okay, um, who knows? Um, but, like, there was, like, some. But, some. We were still getting, like, some of the, the indie darlings. Like, um, like, Trick or Treat was one of them. Uh, we got Doubt. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of. Blanking at what what the indie darling movies were, but but trust and believe it was the kind of job where if someone brought back Gattaca and I saw a new scratch on it, I would probably tell them off.
1: Yeah, um, because Gattaca is a great movie, and you should watch it if you haven't.
0: Yeah, I caught a kid one time trying to steal through like putting shit in his backpack, and it's like this dumpy kid from the middle school, like you know, like you know, fifty yards down uh, Lindbergh, and uh, and I'm like what the fuck, kid? And we open up his book bag and one of the fucking movies he's trying to steal is The Constant Gardener. Hell yeah. And I'm just Hell like, yeah. no, no, no. You look If you saw this kid, you'd just be like, you'd be really upset with yourself that you risked a shoplifting <laughs> charge for this movie. And I was like, do you know what The Constant Gardener is about? And he's like, no. And I'm like, man, it's about uh, NGOs and pharmaceutical companies using folks in Africa as guinea pigs for Uh, Vaccines and stuff like that. And he's like, oh, I'm like, yeah, it doesn't sound like a fun movie for you, does it? And he's just like, no.
1: Look, he thought Rachel Weisz was hot and he's not wrong.
0: (laughs) I mean, it's not a bad movie, but I'm just going to say probably the average like eighth grader in North County, St. Louis in 2010 is not going to be. Like you know what? Like I could give him City of god, he'd probably like that shit. I don't know if I could give him constantly.
1: Yeah, Gardner. he's not going to sit through a two-hour and ten-minute movie about Ray Fiennes being depressed. Yeah, it's
0: a it's a it's not a great movie. But anyways,
1: so <laughs>
0: gosh, I don't know.
1: I like that one because it's based on a good novel. But anyway,
0: one of these sound alike kind of movies that we got was eighteen-year-old virgin. Oh no, and the the titular 18 year old virgin i forget this young lady's name i hope she has something of a of a nice working career because wow she really just kind of debased herself for this film i don't like she has fucking balls the fucking just like just be a piece of meat in a movie like this like there's just really no consideration for the people involved, it feels like. like it, well, it especially because
1: kind of, the cover is just her with her shirt off. Yes. Yeah, actually, uh, it looks like, I'm looking up uh, her her acting credits, that same year that they filmed 18-year-old virgin, it looks like she wound up in a Lost Tales of Camp Blood short film. She's done a bunch of other uh, television work with, uh, I mean, she's a lot of, background characters uh she played hooker number one in an episode of westworld so huh
0: well good you know what good on her i hope she's got her sad card
1: i hope oh yeah keep what's her name uh that is olivia may
0: it is not a good movie don't go out and rent i mean she tries her best and like, she's most certainly not the worst part of the movie. I think I would imagine script,
1: that she's let down by the script and or editing and or everything else.
0: I was going to say, I would say, I think everything else is what's terrible. Right. Um, cause I was like, cause gosh, that movie came out 10, 12 years ago. And I just remember to be like, I, when I think about that movie which is very rare, but I'm just like, cause I just like, cause it was just like one of those things like, yeah, why, t- why did it take so long for someone to come out with an 18 year old virgin movie? Like it was right there. It was right. Yeah. Stupid Hollywood. <laughs> You don't want to be afraid of money.
1: <laughs> well, I think it's just because that that there is I don't know that that the title alone seems like a porno.
0: Yes, I'm, right. I'm sure. And I'm it's, sure it's well well worn territory right. for porno titles. I do want to talk about something that's good. Oh, please! Uh, the second movie I watched was Candyman, the, the new Candyman. How is it? It's really good. I remember is this Tony one. Is Tony Todd
1: in it? That's my question.
0: He's in it for a few minutes. and I love, he it. I is, love it already. He's absolutely <laughs> fucking terrifying. Every person they get to don the Candyman moniker, there's mm-hmm. three individual actors. There's the main actor that you follow throughout the film, I'm gonna butcher his name. I'm sorry. It's Yahe Abdul Mateen the second as Anthony McCoy, who is like this up-and-coming hip visual artist in this neighborhood in Chicago that used to be in the Cabrini Green housing project. And now it's a yeah. gentrified area. And you know, living in St. Louis, there are elements of this setting and story that are not unfamiliar to what i know about where i grew up and so like there's already that midwest the the putting the projects and creating the ghetto and all that and all of Mm -hmm. these politics and the institutional racism is all discussed it's all not a lot of its subtext. I mean, there's there's definitely some <laughs> metaphor in there, but it definitely it definitely uh, does not mince words when it comes to what Candyman is about, like the legacy, and it does reference, I believe, the first the first film.
1: Yeah, you would have to at a certain point.
0: Yeah, it's um, I really enjoyed it. It's it's scary, it's funny, it's really unnerving, and. What got me was I remember all the critics just like tearing this movie apart that like it wasn't good, it was too, uh, it wore its feelings on its sleeve too much, or you know, it was too earnest, or it was beating you over the head with certain things. But I thought, like, I don't know, I think Candyman this day and age, if you're going to do a Candyman film, it kind of has to be explicit because this is the real world terror, yeah. expressed through metaphor and symbolism of of redlining, uh, gentrification, uh, institutional racism, um, things like that. It's really well done. And it, like, I think it was kind of an interesting choice. I think, I don't say it's like a brave choice, but I think it was a very, a, a choice that was in the service of making good art or making a good movie, having the, the male actor that you're kind of watching all of this, uh, come through, Who you're you're following? um, Anthony McCoy, him being a young African American visual artist, he is now gentrified. It's like now it's like the third or second generation of gentrification in this area, or like you say in Chicago, and now it's the black artists doing it. It's saying that we're not. No one's safe from being a part of this ploy of of a place becomes a neighborhood becomes cheap and disenfranchised and sketchy, and the artists come in because it's eclectic and weird and the rents ridiculously cheap. That now it's like it's it's layer of layers of trash upon trash of bullshit. Hmm. That now that like it doesn't even like you could almost take the racial aspect out of it. Now it's just a class issue or just like a real estate issue.
1: But at the same time, I mean, you have to have the context of the original Candyman. Of course.
0: Man. That's what makes it so engrossing, as you right. can see that transition. And then the yeah. third movie, I switched it up a little bit, and I watched uh, uh, The Grand Budapest Hotel.
1: Okay. I'm, intru- I'm, I'm very interested in what you have to say about that, because I am an avowed Wes Anderson fan, and I know that you might not be.
0: I am actually. Oh, you are. Respect. Okay. Uh, Life of Walk, Steve Zisu is probably my favorite uh. movie of all time. One of the greatest concerts I ever got to photograph was. Uh, Su, Georges. Oh, the
1: gentleman who plays the the, Bo- the Bowie songs in the film.
0: Yes, uh, he did okay. a a tour in two thousand seventeen where it was just him doing Bowie songs, and it was just really this kind of amazing experience like people were showing up dressed in the Steve Z suit get up. They had like the, the people had the adeuses and some of them were like three issues. And some were actually like, I think people like made them homemade and stuff. Like oh, that. Wow. And, like, um, and it didn't feel cringy. Like it felt really earnest and sincere. It was a really beautiful performance. I got some really beautiful photos. I was just really beside myself. Like that was a thing where like, I was like texting people I knew at, that were at the show. I even like, texted the guy that booked the show. And I'm like, this is this is fucking sick. This is like the best thing I've seen all year. And everyone's just responding with like, oh, fuck, this is crazy good. So I am a big Steve Zissou, Wes Anderson fan. I think the only oh. Wes Anderson film I can't stand um, besides uh, the Darjeeling Limited is probably Rushmore, if you can believe that.
1: So what did you think of Grand Budapest Hotel? I thought it was a really gorgeous and and really interesting way to frame a movie where the movie is someone telling you a story, which worked previously for Royal Tenenbaums for for Wes Anderson as well. Sure. But what Um, did you think?
0: I thought aesthetically it was very pretty. I thought the casting Mm -hmm. was good. But I felt like everything that that movie did that was interesting or clever uh, was done many times better in The French Dispatch.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. I feel
0: like this was almost like Wes Anderson on autopilot. Like, if I were <laughs> going to make a Wes Anderson... If I were going to be doing the 18-year-old version version of a Wes Anderson film, it would the probably Asylum lo-
1: Pictures Wes Anderson, yeah. It would probably
0: look like that. And oh. um, I think, again... I think it was a fun movie. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll ever watch it a second time. It's like that one uh, Moonrise Kingdom, where it's like, well, yeah, Grand Budapest Hotel. I've been putting that off for almost ten years now, and I, <laughs> it was okay. Um, yeah, and yeah. then I decided to watch Nightmare Alley, mm. the uh, Guillermo del Toro film.
1: Uh, Guillermo del Toro remaking 50s movies, he could do it for the rest of his life and he would never run out of stuff to do.
0: He wouldn't. And I thought this was a fun movie, but it was also, it kind of felt like one of the Wachowski sibling movies that like no one's ever going to remember.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's unfortunately that's, I think that's due to just the fact that a, it's a remake and, and, B, it's more about showing off technical skill than it is about anything else in the story. Because, unfortunately, as a as a noir plot, it's not all that original. Even at the time, I don't think it was. No, it's you know, very well Nightmare well Alley, The original film, it's a, it, you know, a carny... A, I'm sorry, a, a guy on the lam joins the circus and then is ensnared by a femme fatale. It's, it's been done. <laughs> Obviously, this one's been done before literally but you know that it's not a story that's going to stick around with you i do love bradley cooper in it um because boy you know he's been (laughs) he's been behind the the microphone for several years doing you know mcu movies yeah and so like he got to he got to take his skills out of the box and and do a little good work there um some some great supporting roles in that. I it was a it was a good time, but boy, was it long! It really felt a lot longer than it should have been.
0: It was very very long. It was very well shot, and there was some great special effects, some good practical stuff. Some it's yeah, it's the work of a master, but I don't know if it's going to be his most well remembered work or his most celebrated. Uh, William, Dafoe... well, especially coming on the
1: heels of something like Shape of Water, which was set in a similar time period. But it told a very different kind of story, you know. Like we hadn't seen that on film before,
0: right? Yeah, uh, Shape of Water was, I think, the only movie I've ever seen with someone twice, and both times they're like, "Yeah, I still hate it." Wow, I, I loved it. I, I, I saw I saw it twice at the Tivoli, and it was so good. Anyways, William Defoe speaking like an old time Carney was great and, oh you yeah know, and I'm sure he loved wearing those old timey baggy pants so it didn't suffocate <laughs> his uh, apparently huge hog
1: <laughs> oh that's right he's got a hanger don't he
0: <laughs> I'd forgotten about that it wasn't like Antichrist or something where they had to bring in like a stunt cock because they're like no one's gonna believe that's William Defoe's real penis <laughs>
1: According to Lars von Trier, yes. According according to the director of Antichrist, yeah, they had, to, they, they, they had to. Just what a thing for people to say about you. Yeah, he was hung so much that they, they, people wouldn't believe it. Like it was the opposite thing of, of Mark Wahlberg and Boogie Nights. Yeah, you know, they had to they had to make one smaller so that. They,
0: <laughs> amazing! Amazing. I'm trying to think what else I watched caught up on most of season four of what we do in the shadows and that's really good fantastic show i feel like they are kind of getting high on their own supply this season
1: season four is usually when that happens with an ensemble comedy Uh, i don't expect it to last much longer unfortunately just because of that you also have the way they keep ending seasons with all these really ominous cliffhangers and then never really resolving them it's it's bound to wear thin eventually but i just love the cast so much i would probably continue watching much like i did with with some other you know ensemble comedies like uh, parks and recreation well past the date where it's like okay i'm kind of done but i kept watching i still i feel like what we do in the shadows might have that kind of longevity it might who knows
0: i could see it doing that i could see it um
1: well, because of the central conceit, you may actually be able to replace cast members and not have it be a big deal, Kind of like how community uh, switched out Chevy Chase for Keith David <laughs> for a while there.
0: Yeah, I don't know like there's some good joke. I didn't like season three all that much, um, admittedly. Um, season four is a little bit better. I think the the episode with the that the, has the gin. In it, oh, as just like kind of this, just you know, this Uh. accountant, (laughs) and he clicks his pen. The grant, it's just like like, all of that's so good. All the stuff with the gin is great. I'm not done with the season just yet. I think I got like six or
1: seven episodes in. But um, well, Matt Berry has been a revelation on that show, and boy, uh, (laughs) I haven't even seen the season yet. But there apparently is an episode where he does a line read so chaotic. Uh, he says, "If isn't the, the the biggest son of a bitch in New York City," <laughs> <laughs> and it's such a Matt Berry line read. Like you can't the the Laszlo character doesn't work if it's not Matt Berry. Like it's literally. That's him. That's his character. Yeah. And I, so I, maybe maybe we can't swap out Matt Berry, but man, everyone else could probably be be replaced. Maybe not Naja either. Uh, she's such a skilled actress in in playing that in playing yeah, that that level of of frustration and like all the men in her life are idiots. And
0: yeah, no, it's 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 still fun, but I don't know if I want to watch five more seasons of it. We need to talk about this because. I think I actually have one up on you when it comes oh. to this. The Cyberpunk 2077 anime, Edgerunners.
1: Oh, Edgerunners! Wow. Okay. It so was... I will admit that I have not watched Edge Runners Because I finished the game the other day and I said, okay, I'm done.
0: <laughs> Me, who simply refuses to play the game, enjoyed this anime thoroughly. So that's Um,
1: Studio Trigger, correctly? Uh, Am I am I understanding that correctly? Okay. Yes. Because they made one of the most bonkers, flat-out weird-ass animes of all time, Kill la Kill. Yes. My
0: my ex had this really great habit, among many other (laughs) great (laughs) habits, of introducing me to animes, and we would like watch like one episode or two episodes, and I'd be like, yeah yeah okay if you want to watch this with me like i'm down and then never bring it up again oh wow so like there was like probably like in the course of our relationship probably like at least a half dozen animes where we spent like an <laughs> afternoon like i'm like okay yeah i'm invested like let's watch the and like never again wow so yeah a kill a kill i'm familiar with them well
1: um, with so that's that. the same studio so i expect nothing but the best uh so you're saying uh pretty good huh
0: I really enjoyed it. Um, I was like talking with some folks about it, and I was like, wow, just imagine if the game was half as good as this. And there, all their responses were like, yeah, I know. That's, I think that's what <laughs> it feels like. An, it feels like an apology for just how awful and dog shit the game is, or at least was. That like, here, we will give you something good that everyone will like.
1: Well, I, I'm not exactly a cyberpunk apologist. I did enjoy my time with it. But I will say that in a lot of ways, you're right, that the game has a lot of repetitive issues. But unfortunately, I have a open-world brain, and it, and it it sucks up all of my time and effort. And then the, when I really, really thought about it, I was like, well, I enjoyed about... 15 hours of the 40 hours I spent on this game. <laughs> it's, Which, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not the worst amount of time I've ever spent on a game. I think that still goes to Persona 5, actually. Uh, <laughs> I've played Persona 5 and Royal, I think a total of somewhere in the neighborhood of like 300 hours. I know that story backwards and forwards. But, you know, Cyberpunk, the story, the main missions, they're interesting. All the side stuff is just kind of cookie-cutter by numbers. It's not the best. So the writing really shines when they're giving you these characters that are interesting. And there's like five of them. <laughs> there's like five. And so you meet them throughout the course of the game. So yeah, I, I, I have a feeling that when you condense it down to something shorter, like an anime or something that that is divorced of gameplay, that yeah, you probably will have a better time with it.
0: Yeah, I it was... Beautifully animated. It's weird to say with a modern anime like, oh, like everything feels like it has the right amount of detail. Like I feel like it didn't feel cheap. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if this makes any sense. If I, I've only ever watched enough anime to know, like, oh, this was banged out by like twenty dudes who like. <laughs> Like sleep in their office and have translucent skin they look like salamanders (laughs) you know like you can just kind of tell when it's like oh this is a this is like a huge the creation of this media just a creation of it it doesn't matter what it's about the the fact that what took for this to exist is a human rights violation
1: right yeah there's definitely a lot of crunch in the anime industry uh, especially when it comes to like cookie cutter rom-com shows you can really yeah you you can tell just by looking at it
0: stuff and um so I really just enjoyed the general quality of it and the story was very good I didn't it took a couple episodes to really sink its hooks into me the first episode I wasn't so sure where it was going and then the second episode I was like oh Okay, and by the third episode, I'm like, okay, this is actually this is actually really good. Um, I don't want to spoil anything. It kind of does what you think it's going to do. Like in some respects, there's no surprises. In some respects, there's lots of surprises. It definitely hits some of the tropes of what you expect a Cyberpunk 2077 anime to be about. And I think it goes beyond that in some spots, which is fantastic. And it has a great ending. It has enough little callbacks to the video game to not feel like fan service, but to feel like they're world building. Yeah, generally, it's really good. Um, The English cast, they got the Breaking Bad guy to be one of the antagonists.
1: Giancarlo Esposito? Yeah,
0: he's in it. And he's great. He's in the English dub. Fantastic! I, I just oh. felt like I. It defaults to the Japanese dub with English subtitles, but I'm like, I feel like because it's Netflix, the English dub is probably going to be pretty good, and I was correct. I don't know, Jason. I'm, I'm, I'm dying here. I think uh, so, Jason. How do you want your funeral to be from the COVID?
1: I think I want my funeral to be like roast beef from uh, Akewood. Yeah? Yeah. He says to his, uh, his best friend Ray You can discreetly work my remains Into the ashtrays at the bowling alley And then pour an eight ounce Mugget of Coors out Into an unclaimed pair of stride Rights." Ray replies uh, You want a reading? <laughs> and of course Roast beef responds with I would like a huge Sassy black woman to point At a portrait of me And exclaim Fuck this guy <laughs> and then, right on cue, 13 ugly children roll gutter balls. <laughs> <sighs> Fuck Something like guy. that. You know, whatever you can arrange in short notice. I know. It's
0: <laughs> See, what I thought for me yeah. is just rub me down KY jelly. <laughs> okay. And. um let me loose that a Royals game. They <laughs> got that huge-ass stadium. It's going to take a while. I'm going to flop around a lot. <laughs> oh, y'all got that big old fancy stadium. That'd be a shame if someone would put one of the wiggly corpses up in your bleachers. See so, yes, us, we're just simple folk here. There. We're just simple folk here on the other side of the state of Missouri at <laughs> St. Louis. We uh, eat yeah. a pork steak and yeah. Cross the street where we see a black person. You got all that big fancy. Oh, y'all want people to give a shit about your baseball teams to so a big fancy stadium. Y'all, no, we just got bullshit over here. <laughs> and i you know, uh, best fans of
1: baseball. <laughs> so they say. God. <laughs> Well, that about does it for the program uh, on this extended edition of 48 Minutes of Dogs Barking. Thanks for hanging out with us and talking movies and uh, just enjoying a good hangout time with a couple of bros who are down bad and got the Rona. Uh, <laughs> we can be reached at the following 48 minutes of dogs barking at gmail.com. The telephone number is 314 Ahoy Poo. If you don't know how to spell it your telephone, That is 314-246-9766. One more time, 314-246-9766. We will also accept text messages if you don't feel comfortable leaving a voicemail. That's fine. You can find us on Twitter at 48MinutesOfDogs. Also, Patreon.com slash 48MinutesOfDogs. What else we got?
0: Brian, Uh, where can
1: they find you?
0: Oh, yeah, you can find me, the main man dingo at (laughs) iShotGuyDbord, I got some photos of Boris up on my website, assholemusicphotographer.com. Please take a look at those. Thank you, thank you. That's probably where I got the COVID. Uh, Wear a fucking mask, it shows you fucking Neanderthals. (laughs) <laughs> get boosted. Get vaccinated. If you can't do that, fucking.
1: Uh, we're going to redact that. You can also find me online on Twitter at video crime V-I-D-E-O-C-R-I-M-E. And let's see here. We are going to be at home because we're in isolation because we've got COVID. But <laughs> every Wednesday, catch us on Spotify, on uh, wherever you find your podcast app, or however the hell you found this to begin with. Well, listen, it's officially Miller time, so I'm, uh, I'm thinking about what we play as our last song.
0: Uh, you know what, let's just be really on the nose. How about uh, Touch Me, I'm Sick by uh, Mudhoney. We're
1: going to take you out with a little bit of classic 90s alterna grunge, courtesy of our friends in Mudhoney. That's right, it's Touch Me, I'm Sick That about does it.